Mr. Uh, Maxime Bernier, should he be tossed from the Conservative Party? Uh, if you ask the Liberals and the NDP, oh, yes. Get him out. Um, he is under fire for tweeting out criticism of Justin Trudeau, who he accuses of creating a cult of diversity. And that Trudeau is dividing the country, having, quote, people live among us who reject basic Western values, who will lead us to cultural balkanization. Now, these are not new comments. He has said these comments before, but they sure are making a lot of noise now. I think as a good distraction for the opposition, take some of the heat off themselves. So they're demanding that leader Andrew Scheer toss him from the party, which he does not have the power to do. It would have to come, I think, from a vote from the entire caucus. But excuse me, voters should decide the future of Mr. Bernier. They don't like him. If they don't like his comments, let them decide. But I think as some look at him as a liability, um, a lot of this is just politics. And I've said before, whether I agree with him or not, doesn't matter. I think if polling came back on this particular issue, many would probably agree with him. But it sure has people, tongues a wagon. I'm watching uh, him in a little Twitter war right now with a CBC reporter who uh, he's calling out. So it's certainly interesting. Let's talk about this, shall we? Let's bring in Elise Mills to the conversation to see about the future. Does he stay or does he go? She joins me now. How do you uh, solve a problem like Maxime Bernier? Or is he a problem, as the opposition suggests that he is? Well, I... I think we have to step it back. And when I first watched these tweets come through, I recognized right away that the word that he was using, mm-hmm. which was the diversity, was the, was the wrong word. What he should have said was a phrase, virtue signaling. Because if he had started with that and then connected how the, the one inch deep and one inch wide policy that's going on in this country and has been for the last three something years, has affected us not only with our social contracts with our allies, mm-hmm. but our economic and trade contracts, then I think we could have gotten into something. Because what he's done now is he allowed the opposition and anyone that is hell-bent on carrying a, a very angry bias against conservatives, they heard diversity, or they he, he said diversity, they heard racism. Yeah. And that word now almost has has really no impact because anyone that disagrees with somebody in politics is immediately a racist or something like that or a Nazi. Well, they, well they've weaponized I, language that has no business being weaponized because it's, it's dulled it. It well, has no meaning now. And I think if Maxime Bernier had actually really thought before he tweeted, and I don't know what he was, I don't know what his mindset was, but if he had thought about what he was trying to achieve, which is what we're all trying to achieve, which is to getting back to being able to take in bite-sized chunks uh, and communicate to Canadians who don't have time to understand the high, high level of policy and the context behind it and why certain elements are failing, I think if he had really wrote it down and worked it out on 240 per ideas that he wanted to say, he could have moved the ball down down the field in a really constructive way. But what he's done today, uh, and he and he helped it along by not responding to reporters, by by ensuring that he only diffused this on Twitter or attempted to. He didn't go and do the round of talk shows. He didn't want to do interviews. Um, and therefore, it wasn't my job or any other conservative commentator's job to explain him. I wanted to jump out and say, did he really mean diversity and didn't he really mean value or uh, virtue signaling? 
Um, and I wanted to get into a highly complex policy discussion around it because what I want Canadians to understand is, is and this, this should be, um, and I think this particular uh, part that I'm going to raise right now may not feel serious because you're thinking, well, why? Uh, what does it matter? Look at them. But Australia is barely speaking to us right now. And Australia is our equivalent. They're the same soft power, but they, you know, they walk softly but carry a big stick. They're confused and frustrated and angry with us over three very important issues. And one of them is tied to immigration and what we do with terrorists, convicted terrorists in this country. The other is the TPP. And that relationship between Trudeau and Australia has broken down. Um, The UK is consistently confused. If you talk to high-level diplomats, there is a level of confusion. I also would suggest that Maxine Bernier had an opportunity to take the beer goggles off Canadians because that lens that they have about Trudeau is almost like beer goggles or um, Trump. It's beer goggles. Everything they think has ever happened in Canada that's bad is not Trudeau's fault, but somehow it's related to Trump. That is simply not the case. The issues that are on the table today are based upon Trudeau virtue signaling, not doing what he needed to do on many of the files before Trump came in. He also yeah. treated Trump, Trump uh, like he treated Obama and wasn't prepared for this guy. That is on Trudeau. And, and Maxine Bernier, Alex, had so many opportunities yeah. to take something that now looks racist and petty and, and brings us back to the stereotypes that conservatives are, are, not, are not inclusionary, that we, don't, we can't think big. Uh, that we're not thinking 25 years ahead from now, that we're not good legislators, that we're in it for ourselves, the white, rich establishment. Those are stereotypes I battle every day, and he really has done a huge disservice, and I'm not even sure how we come back from that. Well, I'll tell you, I I think if polling is to be done on this issue, whether I agree with his comments or not, I think a majority of Canadians will actually agree with him. And that includes new Canadians, because I think this migrant issue, this flowing across the border, a a file they've clearly lost control on. I mean, Mm -hmm. Bernier, the mistake I think he made is he gave them a perfect uh, get-out-of-jail card free, I mean, free card, because now they can divert the attention away from the mess they've created. But I think Canadians, by and large, will actually agree with Bernier on it, even his clumsy talking. Well, I I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you. And I think if we were talking about the simple issue of a leaky border, a porous border, a border that can't necessarily, not only is it leaky and porous, and, and that's, no, that's not me criticizing our border security, that's me criticizing the people that pass legislation and, and virtue, well, pass legislation, that's a joke, nothing, he's not been able to accomplish anything in a legislative way, but virtue signal that allow these types of crises to, to perpetuate in the country. If we're just talking about immigration. That's one thing. But the way that Maxine Bernier... Now, I want to say this. I think we're making a lot of assumptions about what Max Bernier was really trying to say. Because when I've read the tweets over and over again, there's a lot of uh, unclear statements in there. He hasn't expanded on them. And I think he should know better as a conservative that we are held to a much higher standard. You don't get to go out there and talk about diversity and not explain it or expand on it or put it in a high-level policy context. He's right about the immigration. You're right about it, too. They've lost control of it. 
But Maxine Bernier didn't take the opportunity to use his experience as an MP to tell us why that matters to Canadians. And instead, it looked a whole lot like he was, there was a level of intolerance. I know he didn't mean that because I know Max Bernier. Right. But that's not the point. I'm not somebody he has to convince. It's the millions of other Canadians he has to convince. And I think that based upon his other outbursts, which, and I do appreciate independent thinkers. Uh, one of my favorite liberal MPs is former MP Dan McTeague because he, yeah, was a, yeah. he was a warrior in there. Um, but this isn't that. And I think this is him playing to a base he knows he still has. I think he's, I think he's taking a look at this through leadership lens as well. I think he's still smarting over the leadership. And so he's taking care of Max before he's taking care of the party. And that's not, I'm not going to buy into that. Again, he started off on the right foot, but it, tri- it quickly trickled into something that I was not comfortable with. And you know me, Alex, I'm happy to tweet up a storm and deliver the goods and not be afraid of what other people think. But I'm also very careful to make sure that my language is not, is not confusing, that it is absolutely clear as a bell what I'm trying to say. And it doesn't matter how many trolls try and turn it into something that I can, I believe that most people in my circle and in the media will understand what I'm saying. And that, he didn't meet that bar. No, but nonetheless, the party can't get rid of him. I mean, the party can, the leaders certainly can't. I mean, um, and frankly, I don't think uh, Andrew Scheer or the party should. I think that it should be left up to the voters to decide if Bernier is to stay or to go. I agree. I, I, I think it would be a horrible mistake for Andrew Scheer to kick him out. I don't think Andrew's going to do that. Um, I think if, if Andrew, and I was thinking about this this morning, if Andrew is looking at the situation, there's elements that you can learn from. And when you go onto the convention floor, what do you want to take from this to turn it into lemonade? Mm. I think this means that you take what you think Maxine Bernay was trying to say, which is the assumption I've made, where we're talking about the, the very superficial policy situation we have in Canada, remind our audience that are going to see us, which is the millions of Canadians when this is televised, that our closest allies, Australia, the US, the UK, and France, are not very excited with us. Neither Vietnam, the Philippines, or even China to some degree. China, you know, Trudeau tried the Saudi Arabia thing with China, and they told him to shove it. And he said, okay, don't worry. I was just kind of joking. I still want your infrastructure money because I need you guys to head up the infrastructure bank. He sold Canada, Canadian infrastructure to China. China now owns, a state owns our infrastructure. That's something to think about. So Max would be right about that. Yeah. But he didn't bring that up. No, he didn't. But, you know, look, this is a distraction, I think, because Trump just came out about an hour, two hours ago. And again, isolated Canada. Canada is not even on his radar. But he did make sure to remind Mr. Trudeau that there will be a deal and Canada will not fare well from it. So he's continually threatening um, and I think I think that this is the, a wedge issue, so that they can turn the page because NAFTA is falling apart. Clearly. Well, I agree with you. So on so when I've joined you on this show before, the one thing that we've talked about is the issue where this really sparked up with Trump, and this does tie in with what Max was saying, which is that we have the issue of of um, reversing Mexican visas. That really stuck in the craw of Trump. I think that should have stuck in the craw of many Canadians, too, because we, we've created a second tier of immigration through that. But, um, but again, you know, true, but the, Canadian, uh, the Canadian side and Justin Trudeau has done no favors to NAFTA. 
I will say this, they did a great job protecting steel. That mm. was very important. And I don't think any of us, uh, conservative NDP or liberal, would disagree with that. The problem that I have is that he knew he, he really wholeheartedly invested in Hillary Clinton's win, so he didn't prepare for Trump. And when Trump showed up, he paid very little attention to what he needed to do. He should have instigated that conversation right from the get-go and got him when he came in hot. Yeah. I, and I think yeah. I've said this to you on the show. We, to carry Mexico on our back the way we did was absolutely stupid. I knew Mexico was going into an election. We all did. And we knew it was going to be the tipping point. And what do you think that very left-leaning new president did? He got on his knees and said, thank you for meeting with me, Mr. Trump. Let's do a deal. Oh, yeah. screw Canada. Yeah, well, stay tuned. No question. I think there's going to be the next uh, couple of weeks are going to be very interesting. Scary. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of the more frightening times because if you look at what we were known for in the 80s and the 90s, Alex, we were considered to be a trusted negotiator, a trusted ally in correcting diplomatic spats, moving hostages. We have a long history, and, and actually, conservatives have a long history on uh, being contributors to some of the best moments in Canadian politics and, and government. And I, I want us to remember those times because that's why our allies are confused and disturbed. Yeah. All right, Elise, on that note, thank you. Thank you. Elise Mills joining us tonight on Point on Global News Radio.